We're live and we're back on the SB Live Washington podcast, your weekly conversation about high school sports and the people who play them across the Evergreen State. I'm Andy Bueller, reporter with SB Live. And joining me, I'm happy to say, are, I guess the band's getting back together. We got Todd Millis, the prodigal son of Tacoma, of Ocean Shores, the pride of SB Live Washington. Coming to us from Spokane, we've got Dan Dickow. Gents, it's great to be back on the mic with you guys, back on this podcast feed and uh, and, and back on the airwaves. How we doing? I'm great. It's good to could see you guys on this Zoom recording as, as we get set to release this podcast. But, you know, for me, I've had a little bit of different focus of, of SB Live stuff over the last few months, even though I've still run the coaches poll on the boys side. But um, it's good to talk with hoops with you guys again. But it's been too long. Yeah, I think Dickow's probably already celebrated a birthday since the last time we talked to him. Hey, and, and nobody sent him a cake, so I'm like, we owe you one, man. Or, or I know you're not drinking beer these days, so we'll get you a cake sent sent to Spokane. All right, sounds good. Well, we uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus on this podcast uh, through the high school basketball season. Uh, we jumped back on Todd and I did last week to break down our all state uh, boys and girls teams, all classification and for each classification individually. So you can find uh, all of those podcasts in the feed, the SB Live Washington podcast feed. You can find the all state teams on the site scorebooklive.com slash Washington. That's your home for high school uh, sports news, uh, information, videos, features, all the above. And here we're talking about college. The basketball season at the high school level is done. Uh, We are into showcase season, uh, all-state game season, and turning the page to uh, grassroots season as spring sports are fully underway. But the final four at the college level is here, and there are a lot of Washington High School standouts formerly playing on that stage. Uh, today here, we're going to talk about one in particular on the men's side. Uh, Paulo Bancaro, he's an O'Day grad. He's a projected top three pick. Uh, some say he should be the number one overall pick in the 22-22 NBA draft. Uh, went to O'Day, was a standout, a two-sport standout, football uh, coming into high school, uh, and then basketball all the way through. We're going to talk just about a little bit about kind of what we, our experiences covering him, conversations we've had with people this week as we kind of uh, go back into uh, his high school years and try to kind of chart what it was like and what his impact was on the high school stage. I think there's a lot of people across the state of Washington tuning in and seeing Paulo Bancaro playing for uh, Duke University playing on the big stage and really coming through as, as one of, if not the top player in the country. Um, Todd, I want to start with you because, you know, you and I, you came up with this idea. It's a great idea. Um, it's something we like to do around uh, around draft season, whether it's NFL draft, NBA draft, MLB draft, um, where we kind of just pick up the phone and just start calling coaches and people that, um, you know, interacted and knew uh, some of these guys as they're on the precipice of, of uh, you know, really vaulting to stardom. And, and Paulo's there and he was there in high school. Um Senior season was uh, taken away, unfortunately, by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, so we never got a chance to see him play as a senior. But Todd, uh, as you kind of think about Paulo and see him play on this stage, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind based on uh, your experience covering him? Yeah, I mean, I I probably have, of the three of us, I probably had the least amount of experience with him, which is sort of good. So I got to, you know, I was probably the first one to see him in ninth grade uh, when he was playing post at 6'4", 6'5", and 
raw and you, but you could see the raw skills. And then a year later, you could see what he had added to his game. And then obviously his junior year, um, I was there when, when John Calipari had, had flown in and, and, and one scouted one of his games while they were recruiting him. And oddly enough, it was the night they, they played, um, Eastside Catholic and, and Nolan Hickman was really kind of the star of the show in that game. Um, but to see him just keep adding things to his game and, uh, and now he, I mean, it's, it's kind of wild, uh, sort of knowing and seeing him as a ninth grader and he was, he was a post player. He was an inside guy. He, he wasn't allowed to really go out and shoot the three. And now, you know, at six ten, uh, his perimeter skills, his ability to shoot, his ability to pass, his ability to, to take people off the dribble. I mean, the way his games evolved, uh, in the last three, four years, it's, it's just been remarkable. And, and I know that guy works as hard as any, um, player that's come out and hit the big stage. Yeah, Dan, when I think about Paulo and I think about you, I I think about that time you were in Seattle. I think it was his junior season and uh, we both sat on the baseline at Eastside Catholic and got a chance to see him go up against uh, Nolan Hickman, now at Gonzaga, um, uh, JT Tumalau, uh, you know, five star football recruit now at Ohio State, Shane Noel and now at Arizona and and uh, and Chica and Duca, the guy who guarded him now at Portland. Um, and so he's going up against, you know, the vaunted Seattle Metro league, but, uh, Eastside Catholic got the best of those guys that night. I think they had probably the deeper team, but, um, you know, what did you make of, of just covering him and seeing him play at the high school level for me? When I think of you, I think of, uh, of seeing him that night. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a tremendous high school basketball game that we watched, um, at Eastside Catholic and standing room only crowd and, you could tell Paulo was the best player on the floor uh, as far as skill set uh, that transcended from the interior with the post play to the way he handled the ball on the perimeter and the way he kind of isolated himself on elbow sets um, to attack in one-on-one situations. But then Nolan Hickman did control the game, even though Ben Carroll was the best player that night. You could just see how with his size, his speed, his quickness and his skills, how those were going to translate easily to the college game you mentioned he's talked about as a possible number one pick in my estimation there's no way he falls below three uh when i've watched college games throughout the year talked to other analysts and, and college coaches you know the the three guys that are head and shoulders above everyone are Bayan carroll chet holmgren and uh jabari smith i mean I, I can't imagine any of those three sliding out of the top three but um i think it comes down to who has that draft pick at one um and it would be awesome for the pacific northwest and seattle the metro league o'day uh high school to have that number one pick um with their roots being in seattle the first time i actually saw paulo play though would have been about the same time frame that todd song so i was at gonzaga's team camp uh just kind of what i always do is go watch games um kind of see what some of the up and coming high school teams are because Gonzaga has got the largest team camp on the West coast. So you'll have typically the best teams from the state of Washington, Idaho, Oregon, a lot of from California, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, et cetera. But I remember sitting there watching uh, just finishing his freshman year. I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is good. Um, couldn't, couldn't believe the skill set. You could see he was physically going to grow into being a bigger player, um, and in time he did that without losing any of his skill set. But I, I remember clearly sitting there with coach few and I asked him, I said, Holy cow, are you guys recruiting him? He's only a freshman. He goes, well, we're trying. 
we'll see how that goes. And uh, lo and behold, they were in the top, I think, final three for for Bancaro during the recruitment. Obviously, he went to Duke. I mean, had he gone to Duke, had he gone to Kentucky, had he gone to Gonzaga, it, there wouldn't have been a uh, it wouldn't have been a mistake for him because the second he was on campus, he was going to be the best player on that team. Um, but you know, those are a couple of my uh, recollections of watching Ben Carroll. Um, it's just to see a guy from the Northwest um, handle that pressure as it's built throughout the course of the year and play tremendous basketball in the NCAA tournament leading in the final four is awesome to see for a freshman. Yeah. I, I talked to uh, David Wagonblast yesterday. He's the head head uh, boys coach at Mount Spokane and, and they got a chance to see Ben Carroll a lot. Uh, they saw him in the playoffs twice uh, his sophomore year. And that was uh, Tyson Degenhardt's sophomore year as well. Now at uh, just finishing a standout season at Boise state as a freshman, um, they saw him in the state championship game and uh, Paulo, I mean, they were really familiar. That staff over there knew, hey, if we have a good team that we think can compete at the state level, we've got to understand uh, the field and the talent that's out there. So they were scouting those guys, uh, you know, really early on, even though it was, uh, you know, be months uh, down the road in the playoffs that they'd see a guy like Paulo and a team like O'Day. And uh, what stood out to them was just watching him on film. Uh, I think the way Wagon Blast kind of described it as a freshman, he goes, this guy could drop 40 on us any night. I mean, he's got, he's just, he's just such a, a mismatch and such a size, you know, there's such a size advantage. He can handle the ball. He can step out and shoot the ball if he wants to. You know, some coaches said he, they were glad when he would, they would try to get him to step out and shoot and he was a willing shooter and he really progressed into a good shooter. Um, but that what kind of impressed Wagon Blast uh, was, how, how much he played within himself and within O'Day's system as a freshman. And I think some credit goes to, to Jason Kerr, a head coach at O'Day there, for really kind of, you know, bringing him into a program. And, you know, Kerr's not going to roll the ball out and just, you know, let, let Paulo be Paulo, especially at age 15, 14, 15. Um, and, and Kerr, Kerr joined a, a podcast of one of his former players uh, who is now the coach at Cleveland High School, uh, Fred Wilson, last year. It might have been two years ago. But he talked about this on that pocket. Doesn't do a lot of media, if any. Uh, but Kerr talked about this where he just said, look, you know, it was hard for Paulo his freshman year because he's, you know, he was kind of the man his whole childhood. And you hear about this kid, you know, Mike, but they had only heard about him as a quarterback. You go, go on YouTube. It's a fun search. Look up Paulo Bancaro quarterback uh, on YouTube. He was a 6'6 freshman for O'Day, and if he had chosen to go that route, I mean, it'd be pretty special, but he shut down football uh, after his freshman year. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, Kerr basically said it was, I, in this podcast, said it was hard for Paulo. He, he kind of, you know, he had to really, really adjust to, to that level and, and to playing a specific role. And, and once he did, it was like, you know, the glide path was there. Um, and so, you know, Wagon Blast, they lost to O'Day in the state championship game uh, in, gosh, what was this? Well, that would have been 2018, if that sounds right. And no, maybe 20, no, 2019 it would have been Apollo and Tyson's uh, sophomore seasons. And O'Day, O'Day boat raced him and they, they won handily. And Wagon Blast, at that time, uh, Tyson Degenhardt was poised for a pretty big recruiting summer. And Wagon Blast took the highlights of that game and just said, and sent them to college coaches, Division I college coaches, and said, 
you want to know how he can play, you know, out in Spokane, how he can play against against the big dogs? Like, look at the way that he's battling against Paulo Bancaro. And so he was so much of a measuring stick for for the other talent across the state of Washington, the other good talent uh, to, you know, is this guy, can this guy really play? Well, he went up against Paulo. And so it speaks volumes just to the level um, that, that he played at from such a young age. But Dan, I, I want to touch on something that you said, and it was the spectacle of that high school game you and I went to at Eastside Catholic. Um, the first time I ever saw Paula play, uh, well, I guess the first time I saw him play his junior year, uh, it was at O'Day. It was the first time they had hosted Garfield. Uh, Brandon Roy was the head coach then. Garfield had uh, the best front court, the most talented front court in the state. Tari Eason, who was at that time a Cincinnati commit. Kendall Munson, Pepperdine commit. Lorenzo Romar was in the gym. And if you're familiar with O'Day High School's gym, it's like a, the size of a middle school gym. It's really small. It's right in the heart of downtown Seattle. And they, in those games, especially when it's a Garfield O'Day, those are high interest games in the Seattle area. And they had to, I was recommended as a media member, if I wanted to cover that game, I should show up for the freshman game that was before the JV game, that was before the varsity game. So I did. And I got in and it was pretty much full for the freshman game. It was the, it was the most... It was the loudest freshman game I had ever attended. And that place filled up, you know, standing room, people in doorways. They, they shut it down. I'm sure they left a lot of people out on this uh, and, and turned a lot of people away. Um, and that, that front court um, with, uh, with Munson and with Eason, they really kind of their defensive approach with Paulo was like, we're going to make this guy beat us one on one. We feel like we can stick with him. And you look at it now, Atari Eason's a projected, you know, he's projected to be drafted this year, uh, you know, potentially in the first round. Uh, Kendall Munson, a good division one, solid division one player. You know, if there was going to be a team that could stop this guy, it would be Garfield. And Paulo just said, I kind of asked him after the game because he went for 24 points, 11 boards, and really just was unstoppable. Uh, and I just said, what you, would you make of the defensive approach? He goes, it was clear they thought they could beat me one-on-one, and uh, I took issue with that, so I pounced. And so that's the other thing for me, Todd, and you've talked to him. Uh, just the poise and and the maturity, um, you know, it's, it's with – with young high level basketball players now, I think maybe more than, more than ever. Um, there's just, there's a certain, you see guys come in and be NBA ready at 19 years old. And a guy like Paulo, uh, has seemingly had the demeanor and has had, you know, the temperament and it shows on the court. It shows in interviews talking with him. I never felt like I was talking with a high schooler. He would I'd always ask him a question. And in the back of my head, I'd have the next three questions lined up he'd answer all the next three questions before I could even ask the second one. So that's just the type of player I, I experienced interviewing with him. Uh, Todd, Dan, do you, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I think it, it goes to show, uh, touching on what you just said, uh, how polished of a person he is at a young age too. I mean, it, it's one thing to, to be able to handle some media uh, at the high school age and the high school level, when you're just starting to come into your own talking with adults, <laughs> uh, now you're seeing him doing a really good job, um, handling all the pressures and the media commitments at Duke. I mean, obviously in coach K's last year, you're not running away from any attention. The attention's not going away. Uh, and he's done a nice job of, of kind of being there, answering it, being open. Um, and in the end, that's 
helping build his brand moving to the NBA. I mean, uh, yeah, the NIL deal has really impacted and, and allowed college players to make some money. But if he wasn't um, handling himself in a positive manner in his interactions with the media, none of these NIL deals would have come to fruition um, towards the end of this year because he's, he's made uh, he's signed quite a few nice NIL deals. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Jason Kerr. That's the that's the way he operates. That's the way that he wants that program to operate. He wants those guys to be self-sufficient. That's probably uh, – that's that's a reason he stated that he likes to take a back seat to media. He wants his players to experience that and deal with that, learn how to handle that on their own without, you know, without coaching, without instruction. Now, granted, you know, I talked to him at a summer at a summer league game between his ninth grade and sophomore years, and – and, uh, you know, Jason sent one of his assistant coaches to make sure, you know, nothing got out of hand. But, yeah, he has a maturity that you just don't have to worry about him putting, a, you know, a high school team or a, or a college program like Duke or an NBA franchise in harm's way. He knows exactly how to handle himself. He does. I think there's one, uh, there's one moment for me that stands out um, for him off the court, too, to kind of drive home that point of, of Paulo the person. Um, you know, I think to, to understand him and to understand his upbringing, you need to understand where he came from. Uh, his his mom was a standout high school basketball player in the Seattle area and went on and became a standout player uh, at the University of Washington. Uh, and she was she was mean on the court. She was she was a beast. She's a big um, Todd. I, I think you covered her. Is that right? At the UW, yeah, she was mean. That that's correct. I can I can. <laughs> um, and so, you know, she. Uh, I think she she was really they're very they're different personalities and and she would always go to to you know Eastside Catholic's current head coach Brent Merritt was a was a, a he played at UW at the same time Rhonda did and so they they've known each other for a long time they've been friends and so Merritt has gotten a chance to know Paulo throughout his childhood and he said that as he was coming up through middle school Rhonda would always say to him Brent you got to work with my son man he's too soft he's way too soft he's <laughs> and by her standards maybe he was uh, but she's obviously you know got pretty high standards in terms of you know being being a, a, an aggressive and mean on the court and Brent kept going okay you know I don't know I don't know finally he sees him play his freshman year and, and Paulo really takes it to him uh, and and she comes up to him after a game and says the same thing like Brent man you got to work with Paulo he's just too soft and she goes he goes Rhonda he just gave us the business I have no idea what you're talking about are you crazy <laughs> like and the, you know he, he had a I, I think when you talk to people uh, around him and who, who grew up with him a lot of credit goes to uh, goes to his his parents, Rhonda and, and Mario Bancaro. Um, and, you know, going back to a real, real shame, I think, that we didn't get a chance to see him play uh, his senior season because his junior year, you know, people might not remember, you know, Atari Eason, Corin Johnson, Kendall Munson and that Garfield team beat him by 20 plus in the state championship game. O'Day, I felt was a, was one of the three teams to beat. Eastside Catholic. I mean, that was really a, you know, a legendary year, I think. It, and it will age really, really well as those guys uh, go on to just go, man, you know, the, this guy's played at the high school stage in the Tacoma Dome and, and, and uh, will, I think, be up there uh, with, 
you know, some of the some of the Seattle greats and some of the, the you know, the players that went on to play in the NBA. But there's one sticking point moment that really stands out for me because his senior season, he ended up I, I don't know if he left early for Duke. He might have. But, you know, the high school season was shut down. Uh, there was a, a, you know, like a six week season uh, at the end of the spring. And that time was, you know, it was the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and at that time, this was right after uh, George Floyd uh, and those protests were happening. George Floyd was killed uh, in uh, Minnesota. There was a memorial for him uh, in Seattle at Li- no in Renton at Liberty Park, organized by uh, Will Conroy, uh, current uh, assistant coach at University of Washington. And uh, there, Paulo uh, spoke in front of a crowd of a couple hundred people, and he recounted an incident. Uh, that wasn't, I don't think at the time it was publicized. And if it had been, Paulo had kind of later on shared it, but uh, he was 15 at the time and he was coming home from a concert. Uh, He was in his car with Noah Williams, who was his older teammate, uh, standout at Washington State. And uh, and he recounted a time where they were held up at gunpoint uh, mistakenly by a couple of police officers. And and just, you know, he he talked about how it was really a formative experience for him. He He talked about how he remembered, you know, telling the cop, Hey, I, I play basketball. I don't know what this gun is for. I, I play basketball, you know, him and, and Noah Williams, both in tears. Uh, and, you know, Paulo's ability to, to, you know, be comfortable, you know, talking about a moment like that publicly, knowing the type of figure that he is and do it, you know, in an event that you can go look up that video on YouTube, read our story about it on scorebooklive.com slash Washington. Took him about two years to speak on it, but it's something that, you know, really, really, he, he thoughtfully shared about. And, and, you know, I was just really impressed with that. I'm always impressed with high school athletes that, that are able to, to use their voice and use their platform, uh, uh, for things they, for good and things they care about and, and things that, you know, and better the, the health of the public. And, uh, that was, you know, an issue that it happened at a weird time. The world was shut down and people might not remember it, but, but something that obviously shaped the person he is. Yeah, you know, there's a point I want to bring up, and I I mentioned it last week on social media. I, I, you know, I've obviously been around the block a little bit longer than 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 a few people. Um, I got to watch. I've got to watch a lot of the great players from the mid '90s in Metro Seattle, from Rainier Beach, from Garfield, um, from O'Day, from Franklin, um, play and and ascend, and been around the buzz and the hype and and was at Jamal Crawford's last game when they won a state championship and how the city was on fire about him and, and Brandon in, in call in high school at Garfield and, and obviously Nate Robinson with the twins and going on and winning a state championship. And the thing that's, and I would like to hear your, um, your perspective on this, but I've been surprised, especially during the NCAA tournament, Dan and Andy, how many people still don't know much about Paulo Bancaro. Uh, especially people in our area, they're just sort of waking up to him while he's on this big stage. And my question is, well, he's been good for a while. Um, He's in the conversation for as good that it's ever come out of Seattle. So why are people kind of waking up to him now? Well, I think for me, I think uh, a couple of reasons. One is, um, you're looking at a, a player who didn't play his senior year of high school because of COVID. I mean, people had way more uh, pressing things to worry about during COVID um, in their personal world and their bubble uh, than tracking uh, a, a 
unique and great high school basketball player. You couple that with the fact that he didn't play his senior year. Um, so even if you were interested in basketball and you were following scorebook live and you were, you know, in, in tune to what was going on, you didn't get a chance to see him play and, and really see maybe the growth that he had between the last time somebody saw him and his junior year until then. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I also think, you know, part of it is, you know, the, the fact that Jamal and some of those other guys that you mentioned, Brandon Roy, um, at Garfield and then, uh, uh, Nate Robinson at Rainier beach. Those guys were electric athletes making highlight plays. Now, Paulo can do that, but Paulo is as fundamentally sound high school basketball player as I have ever seen. I mean, you could, you could watch a game and be like, man, he is absolutely the best player on the floor. And you might think, okay, you know what? He had 21 points and eight rebounds you look at the stat sheet he's got 38 and 17 with five assists and four steals and three blocks he just does it so effortlessly and quietly where jamal was uh so spectacularly flashy with the basketball i mean you would walk out of a gym and be like i've never seen anything like that i've never i don't know if i'll ever see a play like that now you know Nate Robinson with with his size being five seven and his just energy and his personality, he's going to get people loving him or hating him because of his energy and his personality. But you're going to walk out of the gym because and remember him because of plays that he made. Because five seven, he's going to go up and dunk on somebody. He'll make a gesture to the crowd, or he'll get, or he'll make a comment to a player to remind him. And then Brandon Roy was, was I think, the most similar of those guys that I mentioned to Paulo is that he was extremely skilled, played within kind of a system, played within a setting, but he also had that athletic ability um, that would just absolutely surprise you. So I, I, think, um, I think those are a few of the, the key factors for me that jump out as to saying, why wasn't he as big of a household name maybe in Seattle, but also regionally and then nationally as he is now. Duke plays UNC on Saturday in the Final Four. Uh, somehow is the first time those teams have ever met in the NCAA tournament, which I couldn't believe when I, when I saw that. Uh, but Paulo, Paulo Bancaro of O'Day High School of Seattle, Washington, at the heart of uh, one of the most compelling stories uh, in sports right now, which is can Coach K go out on a title? Can Paulo be the one uh, to lead uh, the Blue Devils uh, to a title in Coach K's final year in his retirement tour? So uh, lots to come. We're going to have stories. Uh, I'm going to be uh, putting out a story on the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington, where uh, I've gone back and talked to some coaches that had to play against him, some coaches that knew him growing up. And just uh, kind of opening the book and telling some stories and trying to kind of understand the player and the person uh, that Paulo Bancaro is formed uh, by uh, Seattle. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, it's great to be on the mic back with you. I hope we can do it again soon. Uh, for SB Live Washington, for SB Live Sports, I've been Andy Bueller. They've been Todd Millis and Dan Dickow. Leave it here. podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. You can find our website at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. 
There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. Thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week.